Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host. I am so glad that you are sharing just a small part of your day with myself and my special guest today. His name is Marvin Levine. He is a fiction writer from a town on the North Shore of Boston called Beverly, Massachusetts. He is the author of four books, and currently his most recent book that he has written is takes place on Polly's Island in South Carolina, and the title of it is A Trail of Vengeance. Marvin, thank you so much for being with me today on Let Fear Bounce. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Thank you, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here. So you have four books out already. Is this a series? Uh, no, it isn't. They're all quite different. I've been trying to uh, find my best genre. So uh, I think I found it here in this last novel, the uh, suspense th thriller type of uh, genre. So how did you get into, well, I guess I'm just going to ask, how did you get into writing? Well, it started five years ago in 2017. And I uh, attribute my stepdaughter's divorce uh, in that year to giving me the inspiration. I've tried to write a number of times earlier in my life, uh, all unsuccessfully, but with the emotional juices that came out of her difficult divorce, um, I was inspired to write. And once I started it, it gelled. So I wrote The Broken Wire, and it's about a young divorcee going through her troubles with her divorce. And then I tied in a art mystery to the storyline as well. Awesome. Well, that's, a, that's very interesting how you came about. And you just started writing five years ago and you have four books written already. Yeah. Yes, I do. That's almost unheard of. I retired in 2019. So I wrote the first about one and a half as I finished my career. And I've been writing ever since. Awesome. Awesome. So your latest book, A Trail of Vengeance. Now you currently live in Polly's Island, South Carolina, and A Trail of Vengeance takes place there. Can you give us a snippet of the book? Of course, no spoilers or anything, but a snippet of A Trail of Vengeance, because the title alone intrigues me. Well, it is a story about, uh, starts out, out on the Murrow's Inlet jetty. That's the picture on the front cover with three high school friends, uh, two girls and, and a boy. And a tragedy happens in, on the beach in that first chapter, leaving just the two girls. They split after that. It's the end of uh, their summer vacation. And uh, the one girl, Shannon, goes back to her home in Ohio after the death of their friend Ben, and that's the end of the first chapter. Then I pick it up 17 years later, and Shannon has a new name, and she returns to Polly's Island to exact revenge on Beth for events that happen that are, are exposed in the story later on, but she comes down to take revenge on her old friend Beth. Ooh, that sounds like a page turner to me. <laughs> Thanks, I hope it is. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it's on my list. You'd be a surprise. Okay, here's my next question now since it just popped in my head. Do you have piles of books or a list of books that you have just been wanting to read and yet still they sit there because you get another idea in your head and you sit down and you start, you're at your computer or your typewriter, however it is that you write your books. Do you have that pile of books that you personally want to read but you always get pulled away by the own characters in your head or the own storyline that's going on in your head. 
Oh, I don't know if I'd say there's piles of books, but there there are books. Uh, in fact, what's interesting, uh, what I found over the last few years is that I tend not to read when I'm writing the original material. It's not until I finish the draft and start editing and doing the other parts of putting it together that I can read again. So I write about six months and then I read for six months. Oh, perfect. The current book that I'm writing, uh, there's an excerpt at the end of A Trail of Vengeance. It's titled Culligan's Way, and it is also takes place. It's, a, it's going to be about a wealthy, dysfunctional family who lives on the island in Polly's Island. And I'm um, well, about three quarters of the way through that right now. Once I finish the draft in a few months, I'm looking forward to going back to reading. Yeah, to me, it's relaxing. Very, very relaxing. And I always, I so enjoy when I get a book or find a new author where I just, how it is to me, I fall into the story. And then, you know, when you're done, or if you don't want to put the book down, or you'll stay up till two, three o'clock in the morning to keep on reading because you just have to find out what's going to happen next. I love those types of books that you can fall into. And this, you're a trail of vengeance. I, I don't read that genre all the time, but a couple times a year, I will get a book or two of that. And when I can fall into those and I have problems sleeping, and so I'm like, wow, that author did a great job, you know? So as for piles of books, I talk to so many authors and a lot of times I get copies of their books. I'll buy them or they send them to me. And I have so many amazing books that I want to read, but I'm always writing my own things because I'm a, I'm a writer and an author myself, sure. um, nonfiction and some fantasy. I have like a fantasy type book that's in the works, been in the works for a while, but I just never find enough time to read. So I like how you've balanced it six months and six months. I think that's awesome. It, it works out that way nicely. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, you said you recently retired. What did you retire from? I spent my whole career in manufacturing. Um, I actually have an engineering degree. Um, and I worked for steel companies. I worked for metal companies. I worked for a large printer for a number of years. Went through a few jobs changes in the last decade uh, with the uh, economy and everything and moved from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. I moved down to Birmingham, Alabama from uh, New York and Massachusetts uh, in 1981. Spent 30 years in Birmingham. In the last seven years, I moved to Illinois, spent a few years in Decatur, Illinois at one job and then finished my career in Chicago. So when my wife let me, we retired. We had known for a number of years that we would move to Polly's Island. Her sister lives just down the street from us. And we were fortunate enough to buy, to build a house down here. And we moved down here in March of 2019 and loved it ever since. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It's beautiful down there. It is. What a, what a nice place to retire to. And I like when you said when your wife let you retire. There's a story behind that, too. Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Maybe it's a book. Maybe you could twist that into a book somehow. Could be a storyline. Mm -hmm. Jot that down, Marvin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so your journey writing, you started five years ago. Yes. And it's you said that it was kind of you, you kind of got a little nudge about it with your stepdaughter going through her divorce. And you also said that you're you're writing in different genres. So on your other books, 
share a little bit about how you came about writing those. Okay, so the first book, like I mentioned, was more of a divorce drama and an art mystery. Um, the second book was a, a take on Stephen King because he's one of my favorite authors. Growing up, I've always read I've read most of his books. Um, really like his writing style and you know how he really grabs you and you know pulls you into his stories. So I wanted to write a paranormal story, and that's what Clairvoyance Rain uh, is about. It's about a young boy. Uh, an Asian American boy starts out when he's eight and he has uh, dream premonitions. So he has these nightmares and he wakes up and then the events that he dreams about happen. So it takes the reader through uh, really some of the major tragedies of the 21st century and goes all the way up to about 2017 um, and goes through his life and what he has been through. That sounds fascinating. You did that well. You summarized that well because you, you piqued my interest. And I, I love mm -hmm. reading books, uh, paranormal books. I get I get in. I, get, I like reading anything, really. But I will find myself where I get in. The, I call it a kick. I'm in this kick. So I'll read, you know, four or five books of paranormal type things. And then I might jump into a totally different genre for a while. It's whatever whatever interests me or catches my interest at the time. It's it's a magical reality, John, where I try to keep it, you know, grounded in reality and the, the tragedies are true, true events. Um, but this ties the storyline of, of this young boy who has this ability and uh, and how he deals with it. I think it sounds fascinating. And I'm I'm really looking forward to getting myself a copy of that one. <laughs> so you said you're almost done with you're working on a, a book right now currently and you said you're about halfway through. Do the ideas, do you have these ideas in your head for quite some time for a book or do you just, does it come when you finish another book, you already have something, you know, on a whiteboard or something somewhere in your home saying, okay, that's my next project. Or do you just let things kind of simmer and boil around until something comes to you? How did, how do you start yeah. your next book? It, it's a little bit of both actually. Um, I would have the germ of the idea for the book, maybe several months in advance, both for Trail of Vengeance and for the book I'm writing now. I'd known a little bit about how, what kind of story I wanted to write. I knew about the setting. I knew about the main characters. Soon after I start writing, I come up with the ending. So I have a beginning and an ending to begin with. But the, most of the plot and all the twists and turns it's kind of come as you go. So you have to build your sandwich. You've got your beginning yes. and your ending. You gotta fill all that stuff in between. It. That's correct. <laughs> but after I started writing in 2017, of course I had high hopes that it would be highly successful and it's a very difficult profession to do, but um, I enjoy it. My wife tells me it's a hobby. It is a hobby, but I'd like it to be a little bit more than that as well. So yes, I, I enjoy, as long as I enjoy writing, and I can put them, the stories together, I, I'll keep doing it. And that, to me, that's the main thing. You have to enjoy it because it will certainly come across in your stories if you're starting to not enjoy it. And I don't, I don't know if you've read authors. They, you know, you mentioned Stephen King. He's just a brilliant writer and he's written so many books. He's one that I don't sleep at night when I read some of his stuff. And I've, I've, I've been reading him since I was, uh, teenager, <laughs> you know, 
he's got it. He's got the, he's got it nailed down on how to write a good story. So Marvin, you, with your five books and you enjoy writing, obviously you want to, you know, if you don't enjoy writing, it's, it would certainly come across to your readers. I've, I've read some books where someone might have, you know, many, many books out. And then the last three or four, you're going, wow, their style changed a little bit. And it just doesn't keep you, keep you as interested or involved in the stories anymore. And I always, I often wonder if they're still enjoying their creative side. And I like how you said, as long as you enjoy it, you'll continue to do it. Cause I, I feel the same way with, I love writing short stories, little short stories. To me, it's so fun to do that. What is the part of writing your stories that you get the most joy out of? Is there a certain part of it, the creative part, or when you type the end, what's the part of writing as a whole that you get the most enjoyment out of? Well, typing the end certainly is. <laughs> a good yeah, thing. yeah I, I enjoy more having written, you know, being able to put the uh, your inspirations into words and having done that. I, I think the other thing is, and I, I get a lot of my ideas when I'm laying in bed awake four in the morning and not going to go back to sleep. And I'll kind of, you know, try to plot out the next couple of chapters. And when the inspiration hits and you say, oh, that fits just right. Uh, that's that gives me a lot of satisfaction. That that's a that is a great feeling. And I was trying not to laugh out loud when you said you're laying in bed awake at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Is that happens to me, and I think every writer that I've spoken to that happens to, and we chuckle about it, saying, you know, it's those middle of night, middle of the night, brilliant ideas that you have, you know. And I have, I keep a tablet. I don't. Are are you one who keeps tablets around your house to jot down your ideas when they all of a sudden come upon you? Uh, not a tablet, but I'll, I'll get the uh, the thoughts down in the next few hours. <laughs> before I forget them. Right. Yes, exactly. Before we forget them. I have tablets in every room in my house and it's kind of the joke with myself that I'll, you know, I'll have these, you know, amazingly, of course, brilliant ideas and I'll jot them down in my tablet. And then several days later, I'll be in that room and pick up the tablet and look at it and go, I have no idea why I came up with that thought. <laughs> so it's just kind of how my brain works. Um, where do you see yourself five years from now as a writer or not a writer? Do you have a five-year vision for yourself? Uh, five more books. Five more. Hey, awesome. Yeah. A book a year. Right. Book a year. It seems to be the, the pace that I'm at. And uh, as long as I continue to feel inspired, I'll continue to write. Now, are there any other writers in your family or is this just just you? Well, there are some. My my aunt writes. Uh, some my cousin writes. Did you ever have a spark of that when you were younger? You know, maybe growing up or anything. Did you have a creative spark to you, or you felt like you could be doing something with with your thoughts or with your words, or did you have stories that you know that you carried around with you but you didn't know what to do with? Oh, definitely. I've always had a vivid imagination. I, I put in my long bio that I remember coming back from school in the second grade, having written poetry. And my grandmother and my mother looked at me astonished. Like, what did you just do? <laughs> um, I've, I've tried different 
different avenues. I tried, you know, writing comics before. Um, I've tried writing songs before, but I couldn't sing, so that didn't go anywhere. Uh, and I have made several attempts trying to write stories. But each time when I was younger, I would write a page or two and then I'd read it the next day and it's like, well, this is crap. <laughs> this, <laughs> and I stopped, you know, so that's what, uh, you know, what happened in 2017 really kind of whatever it was, it got me over that hurdle. And when I read it the next day, it's like, that's not crap. That sounds good. Yeah. So I kept going. <laughs> so you're not one that went to college for journalism or writing or anything like that. Absolutely not. I am. Um, I was an, I have an engineering degree, used it in manufacturing for many years. It, it, it's one of the things I struggle with is, is the technical part of writing. And, you know, I, I get a lot of copy editing help that I need. And I think I'm getting better at it, but it's still, it, it's a hurdle because I don't have the classical training. I mentioned that simply because I'm a writer as well, and I don't have the education behind me. It just, my stories just come to me. It just comes naturally to me, but also the technical aspect. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I think, I think every writer struggles with that, but there's so many writers that do not have the educational background, especially now that people can self-publish and all kinds of things like that. The, the publishing world has changed dramatically over the sure. years, but I don't have that, you know, that technical background or education either and some folks and it sounds like you're one of them they're just natural writers you might yeah you know of course everybody needs a copy editor or an editor maybe even a developmental editor who knows but those stories are yours and you're getting them down and it sounds to me like you you're just a natural writer and now you're coming into your own it started when you were younger and now you're coming into your own and i think that's awesome i, I love your journey and how how it came about where do you get your characters from in your stories? Do they come from just your head or do they come from previous colleagues that you worked with or family members? My wife, Margaret, has told me more than once, oh, this character is me. I said, <laughs> no, it's not you. Maybe bits and pieces are, but I don't, I don't think I've ever had a main character that's based on solely on somebody in my past. But there have been lots of times where I've seen bits and pieces of personality that I have incorporated into characters. But all the characters are, are, are fictionalized, yes. Of course they are. <laughs> but you have to pull pieces from other people. <laughs> Call it experience. <laughs> that's right. That is right. That is right. I think that's what the, the main reason why I did. I have not been able to write for, you know, the 30, 40 years before this was simply experience, you know, life experiences. So, you know, now that I'm retired and I can draw back on those, it fits a lot better. It just all came together the way it was supposed to. It is. Now, you mentioned that you you tried your hand at comic books. And I've never talked to anybody who has written comic books before. So how does one do that? Well, one needs an artist for, for one thing. <laughs> yeah. these, these are, you know, in the strips that are in the in the funny pages, right? These are um, not not like Marvel. And I've always enjoyed reading, you know, Garfield and Doonesbury and those types of, you know, there's a lot of wit and there's a lot of humor in them. So I tried my hand several times and 
there was a girl I dated who was an artist. My first wife was an artist. Uh, my daughter is, an, you know, is a good artist and they've all done some, but just like writing, it's extremely difficult to break into. And I might've had a lot of ideas for strips, but I didn't have an artist who could actually, you know, do those for me in any, any large scale. So that, that never went anywhere. I think that that would be tough to get into, honestly. I don't think people realize how difficult it is. So you've got your comic book strip. That's a little story in itself. But I don't think people realize, the general reader realizes just how hard that is to make that tiny little story come alive for you in so, in, you know, in so few words. Sure. You know, it's, that's, that's tough. I don't know. Do you do for writing for, and I, this is just for my own self to help myself, you know, make some of my writing more concise and succinct, tighten it up a little bit is how I'm always saying. I need to tighten that up. I have too many filler words in there. I've taken, you know, some free online courses or webinars, talk to other authors, what have you, just to, to educate myself. And I found that writing haikus is helpful for me to really tighten up my writing. Yeah. Um, and I don't, do you do exercises like that or anything like that to help you with your writing? I, I can't say no, I don't do exercises. It just, I just let it flow. Oh, and I typically do too, but every once in a while I get a bug and I'm like, I want to try this. You know, I want to try and tighten this up. I have really good intentions, you know, but haikus I found are really fun to write because they really do. You have to think, you got to think hard. So, I mean, you know, the haiku, it's five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. Right. Tell a story in that. That's hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. I went to a writer's conference and there was an author of um, books of haiku. And so she was giving uh, a, a class as part of the conference. And so I signed up for hers, you know, for that hour. And I was fascinated by it. And ever since then, for fun, I'll sit there, you know, I'll think of one word and be like, all right, write a haiku about that. And it's, it's interesting how your brain works. And once you do it more and more, and then as you're actually, for me anyway, as I'm writing my stories, I find myself tightening them up as I'm writing them and not having to go back and do so much editing later on. It's kind of, it's interesting how it, yes, at it least is. how it worked in my brain anyway. Give it a try sometime. I think I will. <laughs> <laughs> Write some haikus, send them to me and I'll critique them for you. <laughs> Do you go to conferences? Do you get attend online uh, networking events with other writers? Anything like that? Oh, I have recently joined the South Carolina Writers Association, and it has been a great help. Our local chapter here in Surfside uh, has a, a dozen or so writers, and every other week we have a Zoom meeting. So people submit a, a section of their work, and we all critique it, and it has been a tremendous help. It is, it is good networking and um, it, has, it has helped me a lot and will continue to help me. I love groups like that and being part of them because you're right, it is very helpful, especially when everyone, you know, you're all there for the same reason. You know, you're all there and, and then you, you help each other and critique each other. And that's tough to, 
as a newer writer, I remember getting my first critique or I sent something off to my editor and I said, you know, I'm a big girl, just rip it apart. And she did. And when I got it back, yeah. I was like, ooh, ooh, you know, and you have to, you have to, as a writer, have to have a thick skin, I think. What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. One of the things I was lacking for really the first probably three books was a lack of critical feedback. And I wanted it, but couldn't, you know, didn't have a, a resource to have that. Uh, when I started hiring a copy editor and she brought back to work and is like, wow, there's really that many <laughs> mistakes in it. Yes, there were. So it's, always, it's that, kind of surprising, isn't it? And you just it, kind of cringe. At least I do. I is. go, oh, wow. <laughs> Especially the, someone who's not, you know, technical writing is, is not my strong suit. Um, but the, uh, the Writers Association is, is really going to be very helpful for me. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. How do you see yourself as you critique others' work? I'm learning. It's, again, something that I've never done before, and uh, several others are very adept at it. So, uh, you know, as I've read their other works and seen how others critique their works, you know, I'm learning from that, picking out you know, POV issues and uh, gaps in the, in the storyline, things like that. See, and that's, and I, I write nonfiction. So when you're talking gaps in the storyline and things like that, I don't work with that every day. So I, that, I think that's, that's amazing and, and awesome. I love the group that you're talking about. And I know that there's, yeah, you, like you said, uh, chapters all over the country, and there's many different types of writing groups like that. And I, I think they're, for folks like you and I, who are the, the non-trained writers, I guess, they are incredibly, incredibly helpful. And I learn something new every time I talk to an author. The biggest thing that I've learned about myself as a writer with the technical part is using too many that's and too, many, word, and too many words that end in L-Y. Mm-hmm. And that That's was, true too. That was something that I learned relatively early on, and I still catch myself doing it every once in a while. And then I sit back and look, I'm going, why did I do that? I did. But to learn that, just to learn that was amazing to me. It was like this huge light bulb. So with your critique group, or if you've just started it or through working with your copy editor, have you had like this big light bulb moment where you're going, oh, I've done that my whole life. And wow, I didn't know that that was incorrect. <laughs> uh, bits and pieces. I don't know if it's a light bulb moment, but you know, there are certainly types of uh, bad writing that I've been guilty of, which have been pointed out to me. <laughs> I remember in the first book, when my wife was editing it, uh, she says, do you realize how many times you used the word up? <laughs> you end sentences with up. And when I started looking for it, I was amazed how many times I used it. Most of the time, you didn't need it at all. Right. Just, fi just filler words. Right. The word that is one that, uh, for whatever reason, I was using constantly. That, that is probably the most common overused word. Yeah. Right. So I was so glad that I learned to not use that so much. <laughs> yes. Well, Marvin, this has been awesome. I've loved chatting with you. And I am looking forward to your newest book coming out, as well as the one that you've still got simmering away. Could you please share with our listeners where they can find your books? 
Great. Well, the, the first two books are just on uh, Amazon as eBooks, The Broken Wire and Clairvoyance Rain. So you can just find them uh, on Amazon. The third book I mentioned, Graceless in Salem, completely different genre, and I have not published it yet. And I'm holding back on that because it is such a different genre. I didn't want to get readers confused. So it'll come out at some point. I'm just not sure when or how. A Trail of Vengeance is for sale on Amazon as an ebook, uh, both as a regular ebook or as a Kindle Unlimited download, and it is also available in print. Uh, and as of this week, I'm in two bookstores here in Polly's Island, uh, Litchfield Books and my sister's books. And actually tomorrow I'm going down to Charleston and Savannah and try to get the book into other bookstores as well. Well, congratulations on that, getting them into bookstores. And folks, you heard it. Most of his books are available on Amazon. And that one, he's holding back for a bit. So we're going to have to wait with bated breath on that one. Uh, and please keep in touch, Marvin. So let us, you know, let me know when you've got your new editions coming out, because I'd love to have you back on again uh, in you. a few months' time. See where you're at with your books, what's coming out, what's coming up, and all kinds of good stuff. So if you're open Great. to that, I would welcome you back on in a few months. Well, thank you very much, Kim. It's been a pleasure to be here. I've loved having you, Marvin. And everybody out there, thank you so much once again for tuning in and listening in to Let Fear Bounce with myself, Kim Langling, your host, and my special guest today, author Marvin Levine, coming to us from Polly's Island, South Carolina. Everybody out there, be well, stay well, and be blessed.